at some of the different ways that the stars are, um, what they remind us of, of what God says about the stars. And so um, before we launch into this message, let's go ahead and pray together. Father, thank you once again for your presence here. Thank you for Thank you for how your spirit guides us in times like this, Lord, your Holy Spirit, how he teaches, instructs us through the word of God, the Bible. Lord, we pray right now as we open up the word of God and just kind of look at it together, I pray that you would um, communicate your truths to us, Lord, in a way that is um, personal and practical, Lord. For us personally, Lord, we pray that we would not just take in information and tuck it away, but Lord, that we would allow it to get into our hearts and then shift our perspective, our values, challenge those things, Lord, that we hold dear so that we would live our lives differently. We just give you the freedom to speak to us right now. We pray against all distractions. We pray against anything that would keep us, Lord, from being able to hear from you this morning. Would you just protect our time in Jesus' name? Amen. Well, we're really glad that you're here to worship with us. Uh, A few weeks ago when we started this series, we looked and we talked about how the stars are They're reminders in the night sky of God's existence. We look up at the night sky and we see the stars and those things actually declare some things about God. They declare the glory of God. There's all sorts of verses in the Bible that talk about this. And just the power and energy in a single star, we looked at that a few weeks ago and just how massive the stars are. The power and energy in just a single star, it gives us a little clue about the one who made the stars and just how you know, amazingly powerful, and I mean, just beyond our understanding, our ability to fathom his power, it's just, we don't have that ability to understand it. But we were trying to kind of capture that by showing Earth in comparison to some of the larger stars, but we look up at the stars and we learn some things about the one who made the stars. Last week we looked, about, looked at how the stars are symbols of promise, and how for the life of a man named Abram, God re- directed his focus to the stars and just the number of stars reminded this man about how um, valuable his life would be and how significant his impact would would be over the course of um, all time, actually, from his day on. And so um, God can do this. He can remind us. You saw a verse pop up in that intro video that, you know, he says, look up at the heavens, count the stars if you can, so shall your offspring be. He was talking about the fact that the faith would be... um, Go, would go from generation to generation to generation from Abraham's children. And so we have a part of a, of a worldwide mission. God's trying to reach all people on the earth, and we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, next week, just kind of a plug to invite you back, is we're going to be looking at how the stars were used, or one star was used as a navigation tool, like an ancient navigation tool, guiding the wise men to the baby Jesus. And we read about this, and we've probably all heard that story, how the wise men, they followed a star till it rested over a house, and they worshipped this baby Jesus. And the, the question that I think a lot of people have is, how exactly did that happen? Like, when we look at a star, imagine you go out and you see a really bright star. How do you look up at that bright star and realize that a baby had been born who was king of the Jews, and then you know to follow that star all the way to a different area and worship. Like that's there's a lot of question marks I think in our minds. And so I want to have a fun time looking at and looking at all the options of what people think about that area and then talk about what does that personally have to do. If you're someone who likes science and um, and I would encourage you to, you know, come out and check that out. It'll probably be fascinating to see some of the 
things that people are discovering about that. So what we're going to do today is see how the stars are metaphors. They're metaphors of a Christ follower's role in the world. Stars stand out in the darkness, don't they? I mean, you look up and you see stars because there's a contrast against light versus darkness. And so what we're going to do today is talk about how our lives are to be like stars shining in the sky. In case you thought that following Christ was an undercover assignment, this will challenge that idea. Because if you're a Christ follower, I know many of you here have decided to follow Christ. Some are still in the process, and you're here and you're investigating. But if you've decided already to follow Christ, then it's not an undercover thing. It's not supposed to be a secret that you're a Christ follower. Look at this verse. In Philippians 2, in the Good News Translation, we're told this. You must shine among them like stars lighting up the sky. This is our role. This is the role we're to play, to shine like stars lighting up the sky. The backdrop for the passage that we're going to look at, Philippians chapter 2, is the darkness in the world that we live in. That's the backdrop of this passage. In this verse, we are the stars that shine, and the world is just full of darkness. Darkness is a major symbol of evil in our world. Um, There's this major battle going on in our world. The the power of darkness versus the power of darkness. Of light. The battle is pictured in movies all the time. One of the most famous movies about darkness and light. Let's hear it. You all know it. Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars is the battle between darkness and light. You've got Darth Vader. He's this. He's dressed in what? Black. Darth Vader, blessed, blessed, dressed in black. He's a Sith Dark Lord. And you've got him battling Luke Skywalker. Skywalker wearing white, white, you know, light and dark battling. And we root for. We get into this stuff. Anytime there's Lord of the Rings and there's these evil, dark people and there's the good guys and you're just like, man, we get it. We want the good guys to win. We want light to prevail over darkness. I think it's in us to root for the good guy and to root for light. We don't have to look very far, though. If we, if we jump out of the movies and just think, okay, real world, real time, we don't have to look far to see darkness. Darkness is, is all over. If we look into the world, we see darkness in the world at large. Most of the news around the world, when you watch it, it's pretty negative. You see what's going on around the world? There's wars, there's civil unrest, there's deadly custody battles, there's horrible things happening in the world. We just saw a horrible video about the reality that these young ladies face in South Africa. There's just darkness in the world. There's darkness also that's very close to us. There's darkness in families. We experience evil as people just step on each other and undercut each other and hurt each other in order to get what they want. We experience this in family life. This is the norm in the American family is there's a lot of evil, there's a lot of harm that's being done in the home. Darkness is not only just in the world and, and you know, in families, but if we're honest, it's in us. It's in me. It's in all of you. Darkness is in us as well. If we're honest, we'd have to admit that we all deal with a certain amount of darkness. It's in our hearts. We're not above deceiving people. We're not above lying. We're not above doing despicable things in order to protect what we really want to get out of life. We do dark things. When I think about this, an example comes to my mind from college. I remember lying to my boss in college. I went to a Christian school here in town, California Baptist University. In my freshman year, I just started getting on track with God. Got a good job, was working this job. I really um, was making some poor choices still, though, early on. And I remember I was joyriding in a golf cart in the middle of the night with another friend of mine who will remain anonymous. 
we're joyriding through this um, campus. It was a much different campus, a lot more open fields than it has now. But we're just joyriding on this thing, and we had a little game that we would play. It was like hijack the plane. So you'd hijack the guy who was driving. I know it sounds ridiculous, but this is what we were doing. Middle of the night. Well, I was driving. I got hijacked, and we crashed this cart right in the middle of this long, like, Minimum 50-foot-long hedge that lined this walkway beside a building. And it was a very mature um, walkway hedge. And we uprooted the thing, pulled the golf cart out of the bush. And it's like, oh, we couldn't see the full damage until the morning. And um, we just, like, destroyed this section of the bush. Now, if you know anything about hedges, once you mess up an area like that, it doesn't, you know, how can you ignore the gaping hole from what we did? And uh, so then, the dean of students, the dean of students, I'm remembering the shame right now. <laughs> the dean of students did some investigating. It wasn't that hard when you find all sorts of bush parts all up in the axles and all over this cart. And, you know, they figure out where did this come from, and it was tied to the office we worked in. So my boss comes to me and says, did you have anything to do with crashing a cart into a bush over by the book of life? Nope. Now that, I slide straight to his face. That's darkness. That's in me. Now, if we want, we can just set this up. Everyone can come up and get some things off their chest and start confessing like I did. Because we all have darkness in us. I didn't think twice about protecting my own interests. Now, later on, conviction kicked in. I went to my boss, and I said, I did it. I did it. And he said, I knew you did it. <laughs> no one is above the darkness. The truth is, I mean, there are some dark things that are funny, and there are some dark things that are just not funny. And we're pulled, our hearts are pulled towards some things like rage, anger, revenge, self-centeredness, lust, bitterness. Our hearts, our hearts here are pulled towards some dark things. We all have a dark side. Author Dallas Willard, he calls this dark side, he calls this the, the readiness to sin tendency. The readiness to sin tendency. We have this readiness to sin. We're just able to do it. Not on command, but it's very easy for us. And I've got this quote I wanted to read. He says, you know, it doesn't even take very much pressure for the average person to tell a white lie to speak a harsh word, to think an arrogant, judging thought. It doesn't take all that much pressure for someone to lust after someone else's spouse or to envy someone else's stuff or to scheme or to try to obtain either. He's just pointing out there's this strong pull towards the darkness. And to fulfill our role in the world, if we're going to shine like stars lighting up the sky, we have to, we've got to do something about this pull towards the darkness. There's purpose, there's meaning. If, Christ is, if we're Christ followers, then we've got to deal with that pull on us. Here's what God wants. God wants His people to shine in the darkness. He wants us to shine. You can follow along if, you, if you'd like. We're going to quickly move through, it, through this. In the middle of Philippians chapter 2, we get this, this verse, or these verses. We're given some very basic and practical ways that we can shine against the pitch black night sky of the darkness of the world that we live in. Here's the verses. Do everything... This is what makes us stand out. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked 
and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. This is what brings meaning and purpose to every single day and to everything we do. God wants us to shine like stars against the backdrop of evil. He wants us to think, to act, to talk, to just be different from others in the world around us so that we shine brightly as we try to hold out the word of life. That means as we try to hold out or share the good news about Jesus, he wants that to come from a life that's really different, a life that stands out as different. If you follow Christ, God is pleased when you don't get pulled and just cave into the darkness and live in the darkness. But instead, when you step out in the light and you trust him to help you to choose to do what's right before him, as you stay in the light, our wattage, if you think about a light bulb, light bulbs have watts, right? 25, I don't know, there's 40, I think, and 75, and 100. And think about the wattage of a light bulb. How, how brightly is, is, your, is your wattage? How brightly do you shine right now? How dark? How much darkness is in my life? How much darkness is in your life? Think about how, how brightly I shine. All of that really depends on how much we yield to Him. How much we step out of the darkness and keep surrendering areas to Him. If we keep letting Him reveal what's really going on in our life and just say, God, I give you the freedom to change the things that are dark. I keep stepping forward and moving away from that strong pull. If you back up a couple of verses, here's where the change comes from. Verse 12 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, Paul says this to the church in Philippi, he says, Dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. He's saying, you had a pattern of obeying. I saw you obey when I was there. Now I'm not there, but you're still obeying. Then he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He says, work out your salvation. What does that mean? The verb work out, it means work to full completion. Work to full completion. It's like you, if you were working a gold mine. If you owned property and you discovered that there's a gold mine on it, you have to actually work the mine to realize the value of that gold. It's, the value's in there, but it's not yours until you work the mine. You've got to start digging. You've got to pull out the ore. You've got to remove the dross. You have to start purifying it and refining it in order to realize the full value of that gold. Once you come to Christ... You have salvation. Scripture says your eternal salvation, your, your eternal destiny is sealed if you've decided to follow Christ. Receiving Him as a Savior and then yielding your life to Him as Lord, your salvation is secure, but it takes time and effort to realize the full benefits of that new life. Some people, they never really work out their salvation. They have salvation, but they never allow God to work it out. They never allow God to really work in their lives. They don't realize the, the life, and they, they live a very defeated Christian life. They never experience the full benefits of the salvation that is theirs on earth. Our lives have tremendous potential for good because God can do something with our lives. He's, he's wired into our lives the ability to respond to Him, to obey, to learn, to wrestle with what He has to say. But like a mind that needs to be worked, our our lives, God, God wants to use, he says it in here, um, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He's the one that supplies the power, the energy to do what's right. 
God must first work in us before he can work through us. This passage in the entire Bible shows us, it kind of points to the fact that Jesus is the source of the light that we reflect. He's the power source. He's the one that we draw our strength to live from. We draw all the power from him. John 8:12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus leads, he leads us to stay in the light, to move towards the light. Whenever we decide to follow Christ, he gives the light we need and he leads us to fulfill his purposes as we stay, as we stay in cooperation with him. He's not going to be able to lead us if we're walking in darkness, in rage, in lust, in self-deception, in, in, in bitterness. We've got to just keep choosing to pull away from the darkness. We must walk in the light to reflect it. We need to keep walking, choosing to walk in the light. Look at 1 John 5, or 1, 5 through 7. This is the message, John says. We have heard from him and declare to you. Here's the, here's the core message. He says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him. Now pause there. What does that mean? If we claim to have fellowship with him. This means I, I'm relating to him. I'm giving the impression of a real relationship. We talk to him. I talk to God. We spend time together. He says, if you make that claim, but then... You, yet you walk in the darkness, meaning we really don't relate. I'm not really talking to God, not praying, not spending time. And then it says we lie. We don't live by the truth. We're not really living or being guided by the truth of the Bible. We make the claim, but we're not relating to him. We're not receiving instruction by him. Verse 7, we pull back even further. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. He's saying this is important. Stay connected to people. Walk in the light. Walk with God, he's saying. Relate to God, relate to others. That's really important. Depending on God is really... Um, and drawing strength from the resources He provides is how we shine brightly in this world. We pray. It's one of the ideas that comes through this is we have real fellowship. If you're in the darkness, then chances are you're probably not praying all that much because you're trying to wall God off and hide Him in a corner but the truth is, God is hes very much present in your life. If you've responded to Him, you have a real relationship with Him, he, he's, he sees into our life. He sees even when we're hiding. So just reconnect. God, I, I've been in the darkness. Would you help me to, to, to make some traction again? I need strength. I need some, some help. Begin to pour your heart out to God. If you feel like I've been trapped in this darkness, ask God. Begin to talk to Him. Relate to Him. Secondly, the Word of God is so important, part of this passage. The Word of God is like a flashlight. This is the truth where he says, you know, you're walking in the truth. This is where the truth comes in. God's Word is like a flashlight into our soul. It reveals who we really are and what really needs to change. And then God can supply the power to change him if we'll trust him. Another thing you see in here is when we walk with God, we have fellowship with each other. We have fellowship with one another, it says. Whenever you're in the darkness, you don't want to get near those who are reflecting the light, do you? Whenever you're walking in darkness, you pull back from fellowship. You don't want to be near people who reflect the light because it makes you uncomfortable. But the truth is, people, when we relate to each other, it helps us stay ourselves in the light. That's why fellowship is so important. Here's a test. Here's a question to ask yourself. If my thoughts and actions were to come into the light, would God be honored? Or would I be ashamed? If God brought my thoughts, my actions into the light, 
for everyone to see. Would I be completely ashamed? Would he be honored? How, what's really going on? If I'm walking in the dark, then I'm in danger of a lot of things. I'm in danger of damaging my reputation, God's reputation, my relationships, my responsibilities. Anytime we remain in the dark, we're, we're, just, we're putting a lot. We're risking a lot. This is a really important area. The more we walk in the light, the more that the darkness that's in us subsides. That's why this encouragement is from the verses is stay in the light, keep moving towards the light. Anytime we see when we're in the darkness, that conviction that kicks in, it's, it's, God wants us to move things into the light, to begin to confess to Him, to begin to bring it into the light as far as our close friends, people that we know really care about us and want us to stay on track. In Philippians 2, we're given some very basic and very specific directions on how to shine, though. How do we shine like stars? He says this, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Quickly, let's dig into this passage. It says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. I want you to circle the word everything. And then let that soak in for a moment. <laughs> Do everything. Now, who did this yesterday? Anybody manage to not complain or argue? Complain? Complain? It's hard not to complain. It's so tough. Knowing, I knew I'm going into this message. And I was like, dang it. Ugh. Convicted me a few times. I had to clear it up with my wife. I'm, I just I had a really bad attitude today, Erica. And I, yesterday, just telling her, I had a rotten attitude. And I couldn't even pinpoint why. I just had a rotten attitude over certain things. Things weren't going my way, I guess. And so I wanted to complain about it. Complaining, though, anytime we just refuse to complain, we shine against the darkness of this world. It's so tough to pull it off. Sometimes we don't even realize just how bad our complaints get. When only negative comes out of our mouth, just negative, negative. Whenever we do this, we need to quickly move out of that darkness, move back into the light. I want to show you a quick video clip from the movie Up that illustrates how complaining affects the people in our life. It just starts, when we start complaining and we see everything negative, it just, it's a downer for everybody in our, in our life. Let's take a look. I'm tired and my knee hurts. Which knee? My elbow hurts, and I have to go to the bathroom. I asked you about that five minutes ago. Well, I didn't have to go then. I don't want to walk anymore. Can we stop? Russell, if you don't hurry up, the tigers will eat you. And those tigers in South America. Duology. Ah, for the love of Pete. Go on into the bushes and do your business. Okay, here, hold my stuff. I've always wanted to try this. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how he can just turn it off, turn it on? Isn't that how it is when we're complaining? It's like, why am I complaining? What am I really complaining about that everybody needs to hear these downer thoughts? Because the truth is, so many times we could just redirect our thoughts, choose gratitude. The opposite of complaining is gratitude. And think about how, how people that are grateful and have a, just a spirit of genuine gratitude, man, they shine like stars, don't they? 
It's like they shine like stars lighting up the sky. We just see, wow, they're different. I'm drawn to that. I'm encouraged by that person. There's certain people that do that. This is the desire that God has for those people who claim to follow Him. He wants us to shine like stars lighting up the sky. Complaining is the bad attitude expressed in an idea in the Scripture known as grumbling. The word for grumbling in the Greek is gongosmus. And it's just, it sounds kind of like a grumble. Gongosmus, gongosmus, gongosmus. It just sounds like a complaint. But grumbling doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't help, I guess. It just stinks up the air. It makes it unpleasant for everyone who's around. The truth is, when we grumble, we're usually grumbling at the circumstance we're in or the people who are over us and the situation they have us in. We're grumbling, we're grumbling about this. We start grumbling at them, it's directed at them, or it's directed at God Himself. God, why would you put me in this situation? Why did you put me under this loser? Why did you put me under this person? Why do I have to work with this guy or for this company or in this family? Or We just start grumbling and we're, we're really grumbling at God. It's a major offense to God when we grumble. Because it's a sure symptom of entitlement. I'm not getting my way. And I want to make sure everyone knows about it. It's not what I want. Jesus, He shows us the exact opposite. He got what none of us would ever want. He was mistreated, eventually crucified. And just before it all happens, He's in a garden, He's praying, He says, you know, Father, if, it, if You're willing, take this cup from Me. He's talking about the fact that He's going to suffer. The cup of suffering. He says, take this from Me, but... Not my will, but yours be done. He just releases it to God. That shines brightly. That's so different from the way that the world thinks. And it's so different from what comes naturally. Bearing up under difficult circumstances is what, is what shines. It's a way to shine. Another thing we're told here is do everything without arguing. Arguing. There's a major difference between having a question about something or maybe making a suggestion and then just being a person who is always questioning. You just always have a negative comment. There's always something. There's always a comeback you got to have. People are working with us, and we always have to point out. There's just this constant tension in conversations with people who are argumentative. Light. God wants us to step into the light, choosing not to be an argumentative person, choosing not to be someone who's always got to have a follow-up comment. This is something that stands out as we work with people, as we work under people who are over us and lead us. This is one way you can reflect the light, is you just choose, again, a spirit of cooperation. To shine like stars, we're told, do everything without complaining, arguing. And then he says, he shifts and he says, become blameless and pure. Now, become means it's a process. It's going to take some time to work this out, these last two things. Blameless, this doesn't mean that you've never done anything wrong. To be blameless doesn't mean you've never done anything wrong, but it means you have done whatever's necessary to make wrong. To make wrongs right before God and before others. Anytime I've done wrong, I make it right. I'm, I'm blameless in that I've brought the things out of the darkness and I've, brought, I've said, okay, here's what really happened here. That's what I had to do with my boss. I crashed into the bush. That was me. Anytime God convicts us of the darkness, we're to bring it into light. As, as humbling, as difficult, as painful... That's where God works. He wants us to operate in the light, be children of the light. That makes us stand out. Anytime you notice you're in the darkness, move quickly to the light. The quicker the better. Because if you stay in the darkness, the longer you stay there, it's harder to get out. It's harder to get out. 
We start stacking up sin and deceiving ourselves, and we stack it up on top of darkness upon darkness upon darkness. You don't want to stay there long. The Holy Spirit, He's the one that provides the motivation to, to help us get out. Then He says, become pure. This is the final thing. This is a reference to motive. Our motive should be unmixed. Like pure metal that has been refined. Whenever we decide to follow Christ, you know, we're deciding to have a pure motive, which is to please God. That's the, that's the one thing. We want to please God. This should be our main motive. When we do that, we fulfill our purpose, our mission. We shine brightly. We stand out against the backdrop of darkness. A follower of Christ has a very, very clear role in the world. Look at the verse one more time. It says, you must shine among them like stars lighting up the sky. God's trying to, he's trying to draw the attention of all sorts of people in the world who do not know him. But they see the life of genuine followers of Christ and they are attracted to the light that they see in their lives. Now, they're not perfect, but they see, wow, there's a real difference with the way these people live. If you were a light bulb, this is not a joke, if you were a light bulb, how would you rate your wattage? Give yourself a rating. Zero, as far as brightness. Zero, 25 watt, 50 watt. I guess there's no zero wattage light bulb. It's a dud. <laughs> 25 watts, 50 watts, 75 watts, or 100 watts. Give yourself a wattage. Right now, how, how brightly is my life shining? If I'm full of complaining, arguing, grumbling, all sorts of darkness, then my wattage might be on the zero. Maybe it's like, does this thing even work? Or maybe it's 25, I'm just not, and I know I'm just not shining all that brightly. Or maybe I was shining really brightly, but I've just noticed it's like it's dying out. <laughs> if your wattage is getting darker, then get, get out now. Not get out of the room. Get out of the darkness. Move out of the darkness quickly. Whenever we walk in the darkness, long term, we damage ourselves. We damage our, our relationships. We damage people that we love. We damage our reputation and the God that we serve. Whenever we tell others about Christ, if we're taking this seriously and we hold out the word of life, it's at, this verse is talking about evangelism, how when we share our faith with others, if we're taking this seriously, not complaining, arguing, trying to become blameless and pure, then when we hold out the word of life to others, our character, it just reinforces the message that we're trying to share. And it's even more attractive to people because they, they say, wow, that, I really I want to I know the God who can do that. So... Pull out the connection card. You'll see this on the back. You'll see these next steps. Just real quick. And the band, band, you guys can wake your way up here. My next step today, you might want to indicate this on the back of the connection card. Ushers, you can go ahead and get ready to receive the offering. Maybe you should take one of these next steps in response to the message today. These are just some suggested next steps to take. The first one is memorize Philippians 2.14. Which simply says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Let's, let's hear that together. Do everything without complaining or arguing. One more time. Do everything without complaining or arguing. How long do you think we can go without complaining or arguing today? Let's, the whole day. All right, let's go for it. You know, feel free to call each other. Hey, we just heard about this. Let's not complain. The food's not here yet. It's okay. You can be patient. You might consider checking one of these next ones. Maybe stop complaining or stop arguing. Circle the one that you feel like you need to focus on or become blameless and pure. Circle the one that you feel like you need to focus on. If you're a guest here, we're really glad you've come to worship with us. Um, there are some gift bags in the back there at the guest information table. love to offer you that gift bag. There's some information in there. Also, as another incentive to fill out the connection card 
and drop it in the offering. If you're a first-time guest um, and we see that from your card, we'll mail you a copy of a book. It's called The Case for Christmas. And it's a book that just little incentive and talks about the historicity of the, the birth of Jesus Christ, the claims of Christ. And so written by Lee Strobel, who's written on just trying to, it's an apologetics book, which is a defense of the faith. And so let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us, Lord.